1: Of It's a Dog's Life, and we're so excited because we're both in New York together, so we're not, we have to be in separate rooms for our podcast, but at (laughs) least we're in the same city, in the same (laughs) office uh, for our podcast today, and we have an awesome guest today, and it's, uh, it really made me and Hernando think about, in our childhood, did we ever lose a pet before? Um, and I know I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to have dogs or cats or like inside animals, but I remember my bunnies getting out and you know as a kid I searched and searched I mean I followed poop trails I (laughs) went everywhere I got thought where would he go why maybe there was another bunny somewhere I mean I really was a little private investigator you know at 10 years old trying to find my bunny and I did find my bunny at my neighbor's house
2: okay so that
1: was awesome but (laughs) I can't imagine um losing a dog. Yep. I remember watching Nina run after a car and go all Oh my god, I remember the story. Um and then me have to go after, her, but at least I saw her run and I knew where to go. I can't imagine just looking out or and my dog being gone. Um, so have you ever had any like situations where you lost a pet?
2: I thankfully haven't. And my dog follows every step I take no matter where I am. So I don't have to worry about this one, but I I truly don't know what I'd do.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's so this this is a great segue to who our guest is today. Um, Susanna Charlson, she is a New York Times bestselling author. And she has um, not only a search and rescue dog, but this is something that she does. And she's written this beautiful book that is like a pet, a, a, someone who loves to read and loves pets. This is like the best book ever.
2: I know it's already getting my heart a little bit able to read. It's so cute.
1: Because it's there's mystery, you laugh, you cry. It's better than cats. It really is. (laughs) Um, But um, let's welcome our guest Susanna Charlson. Thank you so much for coming um, on our show today and joining us. We're so excited to have you.
3: Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. So tell us a little bit about your career and then what led you to to write this or you've written a couple books now. So what has led you to become a writer? Well,
3: um, I've, I've actually been a writer longer than I have been in search and rescue. Oh. I, I, I actually started writing professionally back in the 80s. But I was I was typically writing short form. So I was doing a lot of, you know, magazine pieces and doing a lot for radio, actually. But you know, radio it was short these were short pieces psa's and, and sometimes little editorial things and reviews and that kind of thing but i uh, my heart has always been at the keyboard to some degree and when i began working search now i my search career really started for missing persons and started with a search and rescue dog for missing persons and and she was the subject of my first book scent of the missing uh, a golden retriever named Puzzle, mm-hmm. and I—I uh, knew the minute that I started working search, especially working beside that remarkable dog, that. So you were a trainer. Well, I—I I started out as a handler, you know, working awesome. with trainers, and then and then, of course, I, I worked for a long, long time. I, I started with a K nine team in two thousand one, and so I'm wow. now in my eighteenth year Wow of, of partnering search dogs. But I knew when I started working with her that that journey beside a dog you know into the darkness and into the rubble to find missing persons i knew that was a story that not many people knew um and and a mystery and a situation that uh was relatable uh, but mysterious and so i wrote that first book and then from there my other uh, I've, i've written three now they have all followed uh the wonderful bond and the challenging partnership of of love and uh loyalty and service that occurs beside either a search dog or in the case of my second book beside service dogs but there was a point uh for this third book the new one that we're talking about right now where the lost dogs go where uh people in my neighborhood who knew i worked search and rescue did not understand that i had a search dog who was trained very specifically to find missing people and she was actually proofed against finding animals because that's what we have to prove to law enforcement you know that when we when we go out on the search for a missing child the dog is going to uh, search for the scent of that child and not pause at every backyard with a dog in it right you know, a cat or a bunny or, or right. any you know any other creature and so um My neighbors, though, did not understand that. And so they began coming to me for help finding their missing pets. And and the good news about Beautiful Puzzle, the search dog, was even when she was off duty, she was the kind of dog that really calmed and soothed Mm. the people that we found on searches, or in some cases, just walking through the neighborhood stray animals lost animals scared animals would come out of hiding and actually go to her
1: Wow
3: <laughs> in the business in the in the search business for missing pets these animals are called magnet dogs and and it's not something she was trained to do it was not really a skill she had it was just something about who she was and there are other magnet dogs out there a lot of them are female but they can be all different kinds of Reads, and so Puzzle, even though she was not actively using her nose to find missing pets, really started me on that path of neighborhood service for animals that I had actually been doing state and nationwide in the search for missing people. She just brought a different skill to the game. Ultimately, I knew I was going to write about this too. Every time I do something new beside a dog, I think, okay, there's there's really you know an interesting set of circumstances there, and a and an uh, you know a, a story that hasn't really been told in the way that i'm living it so i'll give it a go but um along the way uh, as i was i was developing search practices for missing animals built on my understanding of searching for missing people and they're not the same <laughs> They're very different things going on but along the way uh, i was asked to bring in uh to go rescue a little Multipoo, a really really battered little dog in a shelter in uh, conroe texas just outside houston and the dog was out of time he was going to be euthanized the next day and somebody contacted me and said you know i know you work with dogs i know you've got some therapy dogs that go to hospitals this little guy is very calm very sweet maybe he would be a good fit for you can you save him and so i did i drove down uh four and a half hours each way we brought this little boy back and he was in terrible shape we didn't know it at the time but he was dying of pneumonia actually when oh I my it. gosh and then we knew he'd survived a dog attack because we could see the scars the open wounds he, he looked terrible uh but he, he actually presented with pneumonia within 10 hours of us getting him home oh my gosh but the miracle of little ace this little multi-poo was that you know i thought okay lap dog he'll want to go to nursing homes you know when he's well he'll do these things but no 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 he bonded with my search dog and i did not know until i researched that the maltese have a very extensive background in nose work they actually at some point in the day they were ratters on ships and um so they were doing some of the kinds, of, some of the kinds of groundwork we associate with terriers,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and that nosy little dog loved other dogs, loved cats, and seemed to be really in line and and eager to to try uh, scenting uh, other creatures. And so I trained him. I started training him to find missing pets, and he took to it right away. I he was very aware when puzzle was working, you yeah, because like. I, uh, we, we do daily training out in the backyard, just on little short, what we call motivational searches, just to keep the energy up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ace would always watch through the window. You know, Here, here's very put me in, coach, put me in. <laughs> and so when he started learning, he took to it right away. And he has especially, you mentioned cats. He has especially had an affinity for lost cats. And so, uh, we, he, I mean, he was a quick train and a very, very hard worker. Uh, and, and the book, Where the Lost Dogs Go, really follows that sort of joint relationship I have with my search and rescue dog, who is a magnet dog that draws scared animals out of hiding. And then this scrappy little survivor, you know, the lost dog who, who then trained to find lost pets. Uh, and then there's, you know, I, I suppose like like many stories, there's a twist. There's an unexpected twist mm. to the story that I didn't even expect. It happened in the process while I was writing it, and uh, Ace ends up really creating a reunion for me uh, oh, that I that's... did not see coming, uh, but that I am grateful happened. So, well, I yeah. would let.
1: Uh, well, they'll get to see read about that. In the book, so we yes, won't give yeah. a yes. wonderful yes. twist. And
2: we are going to, and it's a perfect time because I'm going to stop you because we need to go to a commercial break real quick. Sure.
0: It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. I said, Palm make
1: California. Yo, 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 this your boy TJ. Sure that, James. You listen to Dr. Bean on Canva, confidential.
3: Cannabis Confidential Only on CannabisRadio.com I feel like
0: palm tree.
2: It's time to Hem resent only on Cannabis Radio.
0: Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio.
2: Welcome back to It's a Dog's Life.
1: All right, so you were talking about how puzzles showed that you pretty much think that puzzle showed ACE what you guys were doing, which I think is it's the first time I ever witnessed that was at my rescue farm and at my rescue farm. I also bored dogs and I would watch my dogs kind of all take on roles and teach other dogs things like how to go in through the doggy door and, how to bark when someone comes to the door, which everyone always laughs because the new dog is always quiet for about a week. And they're, you know, they're like, what's the ruckus when everybody starts barking and then I go, yeah, wait a week and she'll be Don't joining join. in.
2: Yep, habit <laughs> because to mine.
1: It's such a pack mentality. And I love, they are so eager to learn what gets your attention you know, so they do watch what the other dogs do, or of course, if they wanna be inside and they're outside and they watch everyone go through a hole in the wall, they're gonna do it too, just because <laughs> they see the others doing it. <laughs> yes. So I love that mentality. That puzzle probably introduced it to Ace and then you Todd, and now it's the best dog ever. And I feel like, you know, these rescue dogs, they know they're so grateful and they wanna please and they're eager to please and do what you want, and they really watch your behavior. So I love that.
2: Talk story. to so much better than people. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I, need, I need a boyfriend who does that. <laughs> <laughs> Watches for what I need. Yeah. Well, yeah.
3: and you know, the thing I think that was interesting that Ace taught me was he had, when he was lost, from what I could trace of his backstory, which is also um, in the course of the book, he had survived on his own for probably five or six months. I got some eyewitness accounts from the neighborhood of sightings of him living in a drainage ditch near uh, the picnic grounds of a park. So he was foraging, he was living through bad weather, he was being attacked by animals, he was living in a drainage ditch, Wow! horrible circumstances. So it's no surprise he he ended up in the shelter in as bad shape as he did. But I am convinced that that resourcefulness that he had to bring forward just to survive, I think that's what makes him a good search dog yeah he's very clever about negotiating space and figuring out how to get to where he needs to be you know to find what he needs to find and i think i i think his hard life actually brought that out of him and uh and he and he uses it to very good skill now that's that is, so cool that is so cool
2: and so similar to us i mean like we always talk about people who have to fight to get to a certain point are the ones who figure that door closes. I know there's a window open. Yes. It's, it's so cool to see that in dogs. I love that.
1: Yes. Yep. The do. other thing I loved about your book is that you literally have a practical list in the back on um, basically a checklist for if somebody loses their pet, what are some of the top tips you can give our listeners for what to do or how to be prepared for if you do end up losing your pet?
3: Well, you know, you you mentioned something that I think is important, and that is preparation. Uh, and there are things that you can do that help either lessen the chance that you're going to lose a pet, or certainly put you in the right place if it happens, so that you've got what you ha- need to hand. And so, uh, the very first thing I think in terms of preparation is is prevention. And so, you know, I I, I have what I call the rule of two. And that means there's always two kinds of barricades between my dogs and looseness (laughs) or, or escape. So I not only have a latch on my gate, I have a lock on my gate. If I have a contractor in an area that's normally locked that the dogs are in, my dogs are in the house behind not one, but two doors. So they're behind the door to the house and then they're in a room behind a door. If I have contractors in the house, I double that so I'll put the animals in a bathroom, in a bedroom, both doors huh. shut, right? Uh, and and so I I just believe in layering that level of, of protection because the truth is your guests don't know the routine. Kids running through the house with your kids don't know the routine. Contractors absolutely don't know the routine and what I do find is that contractors are busy focusing on their job and they are not thinking about shutting doors and gates we just we just had that happen right. about a week ago we had a, a stove delivered and I said I need to make sure that front door stays closed because I do have a cat in the house and she spooked and she runs low and you might not see her if she shot out the door and sure enough you know every time nice guy but every time he went out I'd hear the little door go bam you know and and um and it was because it wasn't latching, and it was just right. like right. So that's one thing. But I think in terms of being prepared in case your animal, your pet gets lost, there's, um, there are three things you wanna do right away. And that is, first of all, it's great to have on hand sign-making materials. And it doesn't take much. You can use five old campaign signs uh get five old campaign signs have five pieces of neon poster board and one of those super fat permanent markers uh that and then maybe a roll of clear packing tape that's all you need because one thing we know is that getting signs out quickly is still even in the age of social media still the most effective way to get an animal home is
1: Because you're in your neighborhood. You're staying in your neighborhood. Right. They're in
3: your neighborhood and they don't have to be connected to the same social media that you are. Right. So the animal is missing. Right. And so anybody can see it, you know, which is great. Even people passing through town who might pass your dog uh, or cat. Uh, The other thing is, though social media does play a, a huge role, is get connected to the lost pet pages for your area prior to your animal ever getting lost. Because most of them, especially on something like Facebook or whatever, you've got to—you've actually got to join the page and be approved to join the page, right? Or you can never post on it. Right. Well, if you're in a hurry with a missing pet, you don't have 12 hours to wait for that approval or whatever it is. So, if you join them ahead of time, um, then you're already connected. Great you tip. Know, just, yes, oh. and so and I, you know, I, I really recommend using every form of social media that you can think of, uh, including the buying and selling sites, if they will accept lost pet posts, because you want to cast that wide, wide net. And I think there's often this assumption that the social media I use is the social media you use is the social media the 15 year old boy uses two blocks away, but I can guarantee that is not the case. So you you, you really have to just sort of carpet message this, uh, and the signs, and then of course, the other thing I always recommend if your animal does get loose is get those signs out, get on social media, but the other thing is canvas the neighborhood, canvas the area on foot or by car, and talk to everyone. And, and you're we,
1: putting up, of course, a, a recent, most recent picture or <laughs> two of them, name and phone number. I yes, yes. On and on those, on those things.
3: Exactly. On those neon signs, what I do is I've got, um, oh, well, I've actually. Oddly enough, I didn't know this was going to be a video interview, but I have one here. Yeah. <laughs> With neon signs, what I do is I have a, a plastic page protector, mm-hmm. and I have the information. So cute. page protector, big old picture, date lost, phone number. You keep it big fonts, few letters, so that people moving in a, a fast-moving car can still see what's going on. Right. And, and then you – Then you uh, put that on that neon sign and I always put it on actually upside down. I don't know if you can see this, but this is the bottom of it. So that if it rains, water doesn't get in the
0: paper
3: and melt all this. And then you just put a strip of packing tape at the bottom and you're on this big green neon sign, you know, that's a campaign size staked into the grass. And you've got, I think a, a fair amount of visibility and recognition, even for people traveling in a car or on a
1: bike. Now, you said that one in six pets, is that true, gets lost?
3: Oh, that is one stat. Uh, there's a grimmer one out there that says one in three. Uh, yes, it all depends on who's doing the talking, but we've got one in six and one in three, with six being the most optimistic and one in three being the most concerning. And that without human help, only one in ten ever comes home. Oh wow.
1: God. So. <laughs> and then how many, like, get rid, you know, if they go out and... Put the social media post out and whatever, like what is the success rate of these of finding the dogs?
3: Well, you know, I wish I I wish there was some sort of comprehensive stat that really um that really buttoned down, you know, which method seems to to work the best. I think a lot of it is really situational and which area you are in mm-hmm. um because uh, there are some areas where your coverage on social media, you don't have a population really invested in social media. And so then it may be the signs that bring them home. Whereas if you've got an area that's super social media dense, like the neighborhood where I live, it you know, it, it may be the the next door post, I don't know. But I do know that the quicker the search gets started and that combination of neighborhood canvas signage and social media, uh, of of well in the five years i've been doing this probably 80 85 percent of the cases result in a find wow (sighs) and and sometimes it's not the owner that finds them it's a neighbor that finds them or somebody finds them on the street and recognizes the sign and says oh i took that dog to the shelter or right they get whatever well
2: i'm gonna stop it here we're gonna take another break and we'll come right back
0: it's a dog's life we'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat.
1: The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits.
2: Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry.
1: Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com.
3: 2000- Garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
0: Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio.
2: All right, welcome back to It's a Dog's Life.
1: All right. So we know, Susanna, you're going to be at the 2019 upcoming book fair with your beautiful new book. Yay. Um, tell us a little bit about how our listeners can find you and find you at the book fair. Are you speaking? I am speaking. I understand I'm on a panel with a couple of other
3: authors who have written uh, beautiful dog books as well. I think one of the panelists is the author of the new um, dog is love mm-hmm. that cool. discusses the you know the reasons behind the bond and 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 explores that question does my dog really love me uh, which I'm excited about so yes I am definitely on a panel I believe that panel is on the Saturday of the book fair in the afternoon from what I'm understanding like sometime between I'm one or three. I don't have the final itinerary, but I'm pretty sure I'm on the Saturday on uh, Saturday afternoon panel.
1: So they can look it up at the Miami Book Fair. Yes. That's at Miami yes. Dade College downtown, correct? I believe that's true. Yes. Great. And how do we find out more information about you? What's your? Do you have a website people could go to to find out more information?
3: I do. I do. Susannacharlson.com is certainly the place to go uh, that's got a great deal of information. And then for the, sort of just the day-to-day buzz of things that are going on in my life or with the dogs or uh, with searches and, and, and finds or some of the new rescues that have come into the house, I also have a Facebook page. Wonderful. And it is um, Susannah Charlson Author, and it, it'll, it'll come up and it'll say Susannah Charlson Writes. If you, if you bring that up. But uh, that's where I, I do the most real-time posting because that's where people typically go just to go, where are you going next? Right. What's
1: up? Awesome. Well, we will be sure to share that with our listeners. Thank you so much for joining <sighs> yeah, us thank today. You and
2: You guys can also find more information at MiamiBookFair.com. Uh, and that's Susanna spelled S-U-S-A-N-N-A-H, Charleston with no T
1: no tea i got you (laughs) thank you so much please keep in touch thank you and thank you